hear from two of my favorite people. Um, Jeff and Nancy Tinnen have been a part of this faith community uh, before it was an actual organizational entity. Uh, we start. We met, actually, Jeff was the real estate agent, yes, of the home that we moved into when we first came to the Portland area. We moved into Tualatin, and Jeff was one of the first people we met, Jeff and Nancy. And um, they have been uh, some of the most, if you want to know, and I, I, I've said this before, but I'll just say it again so everyone in the back can hear. <laughs> um, if you want to look at someone in someone's life for an example of commitment and loyalty and generosity and faithfulness, just watch their lives. Um, they have been some of the most supportive, and um, I'll start crying. Don't look straight into my eyes like that. Um, some of them are just the most supportive and, um, yeah, friends in our lives. And so we're just so grateful for them. So would you give them a hand as they come and they're about to share round two? again. It's so exciting. We have so many new people, too. It's fun. So welcome to the Groves. Um, hi. <laughs> um, we are continuing uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, that's a bad one. Uh, we are continuing on our um, discussion about anxiety and depression and emotional stress injuries. So while Jeff's getting set up, I guess I'll go ahead and start. So for those of you that weren't here last week, I'm just going to jump in because we already got awesome music and stuff. Um, so what we were talking about is um, just learning about um, kind of what we go through when we're in experiencing uh, trauma, stress, injuries, uh, even PTSD, anxiety, depression, and kind of just what our experience have been with it. Uh, we've walked through it ourselves, me in particular, um, and then uh, with Jeff by my side. <laughs> and then uh, we've also walked alongside of some other folks who've gone through it. And so for those of you who weren't here last week, we're just going to do a quick recap. Um, I'm totally fine. Yeah. Okay. It's good to see everybody here today. Look at all the people in the back row, too. Same Holy thing for moly. Yeah. Must be food left. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Again, my name is Jeff Tenen. This is my wife, Nancy. I'm Nancy. Yeah, <laughs> we're just so thankful to be here and get a chance to share a few of these things. Uh, real quick background for myself. Nancy shared a little bit about her. Personally, she's gone through some things. Um, the reason it came up has coalesced for me over the past little while is, is one, of my, um, one of my lives is doing search and rescue. And so last year in our search and rescue team, we had uh, an abnormal amount of traumatic situations. So we, um, in particular, dealing with people that were, uh, we call them recovery, so people that were deceased and a lot of suicides. And um, so that was, by the end of the year, our team had gotten to a place where they were 
really, there was signs of wear and tear emotionally that were happening. And uh, so we began to explore as a group, what are some tools out there that we can access that help us through these kinds of situations? And out of that, um, there was, there's, and it continues to grow, this understanding of what we call emotional stress injuries. We used to refer to as trauma. Um, it's still, trauma is still a piece of it, but we have tried to broaden that scope a little bit. And I, by we, I'm including myself in a great big community of people that are much more qualified than I to, <laughs> to talk about this. So I'm leaning heavily on their, uh, what I've learned from them. Um, so in that, uh, we began to go through and, and Nancy and I had a chance to, to talk uh, with you guys, and, and we, uh, as we were talking about the, the things we've learned from depression and anxiety, and the overlap began to become really apparent about how it ties into these emotional stress injuries, and so these actually just kind of got all tied in together. And that's where we went with this last week. So the quick recap for those of you that weren't here is uh, we're not going to go through everything, but there were seven things that we wanted to share with you guys that we've learned. And does that mean there's only seven? Absolutely not. These were just seven that, that stood out to us uh, as we were reflecting on this. Um, one of the first and foremost things is how important connection is. Everything comes back to connection. So if we look um, at different kinds of emotional stress injuries, if we look at depression, if we look at anxiety, all of those are positively impacted by connection. And uh, it doesn't matter on personality type either. So sometimes we can be like, well, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't need connection as much. Well, it turns out that <laughs> even you, even I, I'm an introvert, need connection. So uh, connection, the, the, one of the pictures we talked about was the idea of um, firemen. So the, if you talk about guys that go into structural fires. In fact, speaking of structural fires, did you guys see that fire down in Wilsonville last night? Holy moly. So speaking of traumatic injuries, um, so there's apartment, I don't know if you know where Villabois is, but Villabois is this big development at the south end of Wilsonville. Yep. And so I got a, a text last night that there was this massive event going on. I didn't pay much attention to it. And then Eric came in this morning. He's like, did you happen to see? And uh, so uh, as I understand it, and I don't want to get too waylaid, but just that there was an apartment building that's being constructed down there. This apartment building went up in flames, burned down, but it was so intense that it actually de destroyed or damaged 20 other homes around it, like 15 cars. Um, it was just this massive event. So um, that is actually a great example of something traumatic, right? So uh, Sonia talked about her interaction with this doctor, something traumatic in his life. This is, it is notorious in the medicals, uh, especially in the first responder world, that these stresses and uh, build up over time. And uh, as an example, and we'll circle back to this in a little bit, if you look at 911 operators, really, really, really tough job. One, you have to listen to these initial calls where people are in these really hard situations, but can you do anything about it? No, so year after year, you have no efficacy, no resolution in resolving these incredibly traumatic events. So the burnout rate on 911 operators is, is really, really, really high. And so uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how important that sense of efficacy, that sense of involvement in your situation is. The second thing we talked about. Oh, talking about 
Oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so the, the fireman going into a fire. So the, the word picture we're using was that, that you have firemen going to fire. Just imagine you, you, they're in there. They have all the gear on. All of a sudden, the smoke fills the home. And they, the, they all of a sudden, they can't see. There's the smoke's too thick. They don't know which way is out. The situation has gotten dangerous. One of the things they can do is they can take that, if they have a fire hose, with they can take a fire hose, and they can just go hand over hand over that fire hose. And that is what connections are for us, what relationships are for us when we're in that dark place emotionally, when we're in that dark place um, with whether it's depression or anxiety. And that's a, that was a powerful picture for me to kind of see how that works. You don't have to be able to see yourself. You can follow that connection. The second thing was talking, we talked about playing the long game. So um, really what this is, is just to say that getting into these spaces can sometimes be quick, but it also can sometimes be the slow grind into that. And we want to be out of it quickly, but it can be a slow, long grind out of it as well. So understand that it may not be something where you're overnight back to this place of fullness or health. It's, it's about each step in the journey. It's not about kind of rising up. Mm -hmm. it's, it's literally about making progress each day. And even falling back or making it difficult is hard. Yep. The third thing that we talked about is the fact that uh, one of the things we went through last week, and we'll spend some time on this again at the end today if there's time, talking about this Continuum, and I used the word spectrum interchangeably last week, but I want to even update that. The continuum is just a much better word. Um, so I would encourage us as you think about this, use the word continuum. Spectrum's already taken, it turns out. <laughs> so, um, so continuum, and the continuum between health and unhealth, we compared that to green and red. So, um, you know, green, yellow, orange, red, as you move from health to unhealth. And the thing that we talked about is that this is dynamic. So we are always on the move in that continuum. And sometimes, we are way on the side of unhealth, and sometimes we're way on the side of health. It's sometimes hard to remember that it goes both ways when you're in a place of unhealth. You feel like that is reality from here on out, and that's not true. You can always make a choice to go back towards health. Um, one of the things we talked about is that depression or anxiety is where you're at, not who you are. We take that on as an identity, but it's not. It's just a piece of our, our dream. So that brings us up to our where we left off. And we really appreciated last week the interest people had. Um, and at the point where they wanted to hear more of what we had to say, that was very uh, honoring and, and flattering. And I also recognize that this is a place that touches many people. I can't tell you how many conversations I'm having right now because my eyes are open to it as I'm looking at it for my own self. Uh, I mean, multiple conversations in multiple environments a week is this touching somebody's life as I just share a little bit about what I'm learning. And I mean, it opens up all kinds of conversations. Um, and not just like, well, how's the weather conversations, but these, these really deep life conversations. Um, and people, um, I'm right now in a place of, of health. And I'm super thankful for that because uh, it's reflective of the time I put in over the past few months looking at this stuff and trying to understand it and, and embrace it. And it's brought me to this really, um, this really great place. I would call it this green space, right? Because I use that color spectrum, but continuum, sorry. Like <laughs> the green space. And so 
what happens is that um, one is I don't want for those of you that are not in that green space right now, and there's probably a lot, uh, I don't want that to be discouraging to you. I want that to be encouraging to you because everybody here can make that move towards health. And when you're in a place of health, it can be compelling to people around you. And I would be, I would, I would offer up that that is one of the ways that we get an opportunity, and there's many, but this is one of the ways we get an opportunity to point people towards God, right? Because God is part of the puzzle for me in being in that healthy place. And as people look to me and as they talk with me, I get to reflect that, not in a preachy sort of way, because I, I, I don't, I just don't do that. <laughs> but it is... Um, is just reflective of that I'm in this place where my heart is open and my spirit is open and I'm willing to share that with somebody and just witness the space that they're in and just be patient. It's not hard, but it is purposeful. So the fourth thing is it takes a choice. Um, we had read you want to open, you're welcome to, in Philippians chapter 4. Sorry, I should have pulled this up ahead of time. I would love to say I have it memorized. That's my wife, though. She's the one that memorizes scripture. I'm the one that has to look it up. So, <laughs> so Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, so finally, brothers and sisters, I would say finally friends, right? Finally family. This is to everybody. Whatever's true and whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable, if something is excellent and praiseworthy, worthy, think about these things. Think about these things. There's something purposeful about how we approach it, right? There's something about the things that we choose to spend our time with, the things that we choose to spend our energy on, the things we choose to spend our money on. And we can get distracted from the things that bring us health really, really easily. And not only that, but we become enablers to each other in those pursuits as well. (laughs) 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 Yeah, where we we, um, will partner into behaviors or practices that in and of themselves aren't unhealthy, but because we're using them as coping skills or adaptations to avoid the things that are healthy are not the place we need to be. So somebody who's in this space might say, you might hear them say, there's nothing I can do anyways. It just is what it is. So here's my thing. Turning towards health is always a choice, which can sound a little overwhelming if you're in that place of unhealth, again, because it feels like that is reality, and the reality is not going to change. There's there's no reason to even try to pursue back to health because it feels so distant. But I want to tell you that there is, and, and even in that space, it's these little decisions that can make a difference. Things like acknowledging that you're in a bad space is a really important spot to start. Maybe it's a choice to go see a doctor. Maybe it's a choice to reach out to a friend. Maybe it's a a choice to start getting some exercise or you know, join a Bible study or a running group. 
right? There's lots of these ways that we can move towards and make a decision towards health. So I talked a little bit about how a key factor in traumatic stress injuries or emotional stress injuries is the loss of efficacy. And so one of the things that we have found is that <clears throat> the sooner um, that we can feel like we have uh, influence on our, our situation again, the sooner that that, uh, that traumatic experience begins to end. So in my world of search and rescue, we actually literally are having cortisol going through the brain, telling the brain that things are not okay and that you have uh, danger, right? So the limbic system is going danger, and it's on hyper alert. That's why you're, if you go back to those traumatic spaces, we talked about this last week, you can probably remember the sounds, the specific sights, the smells of when that traumatic thing happened, if it was a car accident or whatever. We, the, the brain captures those in great t detail and logs them in, and it's still capturing. It's still like... YouTube Live is still going on <laughs> until, or uh, what, Facebook Live, I guess. Facebook Live is still going on until the brain gets this all clear where the cortisol stops ripping through it. And so, and again, I also should say I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> if any doctors in here are like that, it's not what actually happens. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but the, the cortisol is coming through the brain, and one of the ways that we begin to help that slow down is to begin having influence in our situation. So one of the things that we've learned in our search and rescue world is that it's actually very empowering and helpful to people that we are helping rescue if we begin to involve them in their own rescue. That can be something as simple as like, hey, listen, I need to take your vitals every 15 minutes, so can you just keep track? You have a watch on, so can you keep track for me? So that way I don't forget, right? Something easy that they can do. Uh, maybe it's, in fact, you guys might have saw the rescue last year where there was the guy in Mount Hood that went up there to commit suicide. Uh, wasn't able to, and so they had that huge double rotor uh, helicopter that went up to the very top of Mount Hood, and, and got, you saw maybe saw pictures of it backing up to the mountain. Well, in that case, uh, he had, he was military, and he's and as the conversation went, he's like, "Yeah, I can clear the landing zone." So we had him clear the landing zone, right? The, not I wasn't there, but the team that was there had him clear the landing zone, involving himself in that. Um, I can't remember if I shared this last week, but one of the things that's been really interesting for me. And I don't want to nerd out and search and rescue that too much. I promise it won't be that much. But it just gives an example of what I'm talking about. Is that we have found that in the right situation, that the, um, that the, I'm trying to decide if this is actually appropriate to share. I, I, I will. That, um, <laughs> that if we have somebody who's deceased, and they have, we have a lot of times there'll be family members gathered around at where the command center is, the, we call it incident command that it can be incredibly um, healing and important to actually bring family members, certain family members, this isn't for everybody, but some of them need to come up with us and help bring that person back. And it, that's different than we've typically thought about, right? We typically think of helping somebody by keeping them separate from whatever's going on, by not getting too much exposure not letting them see too much, not letting them be harmed. And it turns out that's not true. It turns out that they're experiencing trauma, and this is a little tidbit too. Secondhand trauma is just as real as firsthand trauma, like secondhand stuff. And we see, um, we see people's lives changed because of that secondhand trauma. And so there's a place where they get healing by being involved in resolving that situation. So I went down that rabbit hole a little bit, but the important part is that we need to recognize how how much making little choices is part of that step towards wholeness. Like 
for me going to the doctor and hearing the doctor say that you're depressed and such and some medication, and there's no shame in taking it. We'll get to that a little bit more. But So um, the last thing I want to share on, on this point that I think is really important um, is the, there's these ideas that I, I would argue are really important and essential, actually, to this step towards health. One of them is the idea of forgiveness. We get bound up in unforgiveness. We get in a place where that becomes our world, that, that bitterness or that hurt becomes the, our world. And one of the only ways to begin cracking that nut is to actually have a forgiveness in our heart. And one of the, we don't want to get down too much into forgiveness, but here's a couple of tidbits. One, forgiveness, what I don't mean by forgiveness is that you are saying what happened was okay. That there are two different things. I'm also not saying that it means reconciliation. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. But what forgiveness is, is this process of saying, hey, listen, I'm going to have let, not let this thing have as much power over me as it used to have. Forgiveness is a process, right? It's not necessarily one and done. So I'm not going to let this thing have as much power over me as it once had. I'm going to choose to begin letting go of that harm that was done to me. So sometimes that harm's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But we do things like survivor guilt all the time, right? Why was I the one that wasn't hurt or killed? Why was I the one that um, stayed home that day? Or if I could have just got there a little sooner, right? So there's there can come a lot of different a lot of different shades. The second piece, and I would argue I also would say that there's the part does go together. There's the forgiveness of others and there's the forgiveness of self. Just like in the in compassion we see on the screen, self-compassion. Just like uh, forgiveness, compassion is something that sometimes is easier to extend it to somebody else than it is to ourselves. And yet we have to be able to do that. We have to be able to look at ourselves, forgive ourselves, give ourselves a little room to be human, have compassion on ourselves. And that is a, those are really powerful steps as we make this move towards health. The last thing I didn't say this week, I said last week, is that this is, also meant to be really discussional. So if you have something, we don't feel like we have all of the, <laughs> the truth on this at all. <laughs> so if you have something that you want to add, this is totally appropriate space to even just speak out or raise your hand. Totally fine.
They can. So um, I think that's a really important question, actually, and important enough that we're going to actually circle back to that and talk to that a little bit because it's such a big deal. And and I would say that that is when I absolutely think it's important to open up to hear from people and hear share a little bit about what we have experienced or what we've learned about that. But there's there's lots of perspectives on that. So thank you for that. season where I was completely, I, I, really, I couldn't get myself out of bed because I was so depressed and was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and um, literally was not functioning. And it took my husband and some, and, and some other key people to come alongside of me. And it was my mother-in-law, actually, who first acknowledged it to me because I just felt like I was just in this deep, dark hole that I would never get out of. And that I would never, ever see the daylight because I couldn't see past the end of my nose um, because I was so stuck in it. And it was her coming to me and saying, Nancy, I think you're depressed. It was like that validation that I needed to hear to be able to move forward towards getting help, to get to the doctor, to get into a counselor, to begin to address the deeper issues that were being, you know, that were cropping up at that season. And, um, so again, that it's a huge piece to be that lifeline for somebody. It also puts a lot of pressure on you to feel like you have to be that. So again, that self-compassion and do what you're able. Um, and then it still has to be the person's choice if they want to get better. I mean, ultimately, even if they're in an incapacitated place, they still have to want to get better because you can go through treatment centers. You can go to the hospital. You can... You know, go through chemo, but if you if you don't want to live, you're not going to live. Um, it's it's a so that's where we keep speaking life over each other, speaking hope. Does that address any of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody want to add something right now? Okay. Um, the next thing we want to talk about because it comes up all the time is drugs. Do I take them or leave them? Uh, someone who struggles with this issue might say, if I had enough faith, I'd be able to get out of this funk. Um, or some of you may have heard somebody say, if you just had more faith, you'd be able to get out of this. Uh, we've learned a lot about the brain over the past decades, um, including things about the chemicals that are involved in the brain. And determining whether or not to take medication can be controversial for some. Um, our intent is not to make anybody feel guilty or less than because they've decided one way or another. We're just simply sharing our journey um, and what we decided, and hopefully that can help one of someone you know or even yourself to decide if that's something that you want to pursue. Uh, we are not doctors or mental professionals. Uh, I'm Actually, I probably am a mental professional, but <laughs> not a mental health professional. Um, and we can't, tell, we can't tell you whether you should um, do medicine or therapy. However, in our opinion, um, both are incredibly um, important tools in, um, in, he in the healing process, and they don't detract from our faith in God. Um, uh, it, it rather should accompany our faith in God. So it's not either or, it's both and. And so... Um, 
Mental health can be both a spiritual battle and a brain chemistry issue and a medical issue. So we can benefit from a medical and a spiritual approach. Uh, for us, again, it's not either or, it's both. Um, I can't go back and undo the abuse that happened to me when I was really long, really little. Um, it changed literally the way my brain functioned because it happened during my formative years and when I was very small and it changed the brain chemistry. So um, it doesn't, my brain doesn't function the way it was originally intended to function. And so I end up taking medications for depression and anxiety and I see a therapist um, to continue to help me in my processing. Um, um, there, there isn't any shame in taking the medication if you need to take it. Um, there isn't any shame in seeing a therapist if you need to see a therapist. Um, we don't tell somebody who's broken their ankle to just pray that their ankle will be healed, right? We tell them, go to the doctor, we'll pray for you, right? So, um, so it's both. There are lots and lots of options. There's talk therapy, there's other kinds of therapies, there's exercise, journaling. Uh, I use little scripture cards, which are little little bits of scripture when I'm in a dark place and don't have energy to go looking for it. Um, it's in really small little tidbits that I can digest at that moment. There's worship, there's prayer, learning about yourself, and meditative breathing. All of these practices are, are green choices helping you move towards health. Um, if you have chosen to take medication to help you in this battle and someone around you doesn't agree or doesn't approve of your choosing to take medication, that is not your issue. It is their issue, and it's not your burden to bear their issue with you taking medication. Uh, if it's helping you, don't let, don't let them put shame on you for that. Um, and the last thing about this one is it takes work. The work is hard. Do the work. It's worth it because you're worth it. <coughs> All right. Are you done? So this is going to start circling back a little bit, Sonia, to your question. The next thing we... Hey, how's everybody doing? Everybody's all right? Can we all just take a deep collective breath? Mm. <sighs> I love that. Okay. All right. Now we, now we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that I, uh, I do that more and more. Uh, that, so I would encourage you. So one of the things you heard me talk about is how I've been learning about medication and... I would put, depending on your background, meditation, things like yoga, are things that maybe the ba baby's gotten thrown out with the bathwater in certain circles mm -hmm. because it comes close to maybe like a new age thing that seems really scary or an Eastern meditation or mysticism thing that seems really scary. And so we throw out the whole idea. And it turns out that there's uh, really important pieces to it as well. So uh, as I've, um, over the past while, been engaging in, in more meditation and I've partnered that with my contemplative prayer life and some of the readings and things like that. The breathing is actually really important and it's, it's actually is changing things inside you. Um, so it's not just, it's not just a, uh, a practice just for fun. It is actually important to what your body is doing, how it's processing things. Um, it actually, I would encourage you to begin learning how to do the, to have these, uh, and you'll know, I'm sure people here know more about this than I do, but there is, um, a practice where you, you breathe in for four seconds, 
Can you hold it for four seconds? Do that for four seconds. Right, and you just do a circle. Um, that is just a method for kind of giving yourself some space in that breathing. I'd recommend doing that occasionally. And you can do that while you're driving. You can do that while you're sitting in a conversation. People don't have to know you're doing that, right? So you can, you can pull that trick anytime. All right, so we want to talk about hope. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he delivers those who are discouraged. And, <clears throat> yeah, I forgot they were doing Which way? Um, so here's something you might hear somebody say in this space, which is, nothing I do seems to make any difference. There's lots of variations on the statements people use when they're out of hope, but that's, that's one version of that. So again, from the inside, hope can feel non-existent, right? You can feel like it's so dark, the, the curtain's drawn, and there's, not, there's no other option to live in the, besides in this space, but there's always hope. And that's the message I want to just reiterate again for those people. But there's a lot of us that walk, at all points we're going to be walking alongside somebody that's needing to be encouraged. And so we, that's where we start to have this role. Some of your, kind of, your questions kind of hit on this about uh, how it is to be able to provide genuine hope. So I kind of think of it like hope is a thread that can be easily cut. But if we can take care of that, if we can nurture it, it can be that thing that guides somebody out of the darkness. So in some ways, I would love to say that it's as simple as to go like, oh, if you just say this, it's magic and it works and everything's good. And that's not true. What I can say is there's a, there's a couple of like guiding principles and that oftentimes it turns out that they're like, don't do this as much as they are, do this, right? <laughs> so here's some things to stay away from. One, the first thing, and one that I'll spend some time is, is it is so important that we are genuine. It's really easy, depending on the personality especially, to try to solve a hard situation with this false sense, manufactured sense of joy, of happiness. We try to like combat the sadness with the happiness, right? And while I understand, and actually I, I have, that is one of my coping mechanisms for being in a hard situation is to, um, is to, yeah, is to like think your way out of it, right? And these, these, um, it's, it's a place that doesn't observe very well where people are at. And uh, so what, one of the things I think that we shouldn't say is everything's going to be fine. Like just kind of take that whole sentence out of your vocabulary. It's one we just shouldn't use. What I would, here's why. Is I, what I found is that people that are in that place of extreme hurt, extreme pain, often have a really, really high BS meter. And they, <laughs> they are like, you're full of it. Right? And usually they're right. Sometimes it's just that pain speaking, but a lot of times they're right. Because we don't know that it's going to be fine in the sense that we are hoping for. But try an honest or hopeful approach. Um, something like, I can see how much you're hurting, and I don't know all the answers. But what I do know is that we're going to get through this together. Um, and that's, that's important, whether it's something like a depression, that's kind of this long cycle thing. It's also important in those moments of, of short trauma, of the emotional stress injuries I was talking about earlier. So that's the kind of language that we're learning to use when we're out meeting a subject even that, you know, maybe somebody fell on a rock face or whatever, is that, hey, listen, <laughs> um, yeah, it sucks. Your leg's really busted up. But the good news is I've been doing this for years, and you see him over there. He's been doing this for years. And if you're going to get hurt, this is a pretty good day to do it because we're here on your side, and we're going to be with you. 
An example of that is, um, again, when I was in this incredibly dark place, um, I had this cycle of, you know, I would feel horrible, then I would act horrible, and then I would feel even more horrible because I just acted horribly. And it was just this downward spiral, and it just kept repeating. And I um, I didn't quite know how to break the cycle on my own. And, um, and um, this one evening, I did some things I swore I would never, ever, ever do. I crossed a line that I had drawn in the sand for myself of behavior that I would never commit. Um, and... And I felt like the evil was coming inside of me and was taking over. Um, and I was so scared, and I was terrified of what Jeff would think. He's an incredibly patient man, but I was Until like, I'm not. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, I'm working on. <laughs> I'm working to expand that line before I hit it. <laughs> um, so I, I honestly, I was terrified of what he was going to say when he heard what I had to tell him. I thought for sure he's going to be like, Nancy, you know, I love you, but this is too much. I'm out of here. We're taking our son and we're leaving. Um, or I thought he was going to be like, we have to get a divorce because I can't handle all this baggage. Um, and some of that was the shame speaking, of course. But I was positive that he was going to say we were over. And so just that absolute fear um, was consuming me. So I called Jeff at school. He was in a master's program and working full-time, and um, uh, I was like, you have to come home now, and he was in the middle of class, which is, you know, pretty big ask for him to come home. But he came home, and I think I was huddled up into the smallest ball I could finally make myself into um, in a quarter, in the corner of the room, and just sobbing to myself, and he got home, he sat down on the floor next to me, and he pulled me onto his lap, and just held me, and then he's like, okay, so tell me what happened. And so I explained it to him through my hiccuping sobs, and, and after I was done explaining what had happened, um, he just sat there quietly. I'm sure he was praying for a divine inspiration. <laughs> um, and then he said, you know, Nancy, we've been through worse things. We're going to get through this together one day at a time. And I had never heard somebody say that I, we were going to get through this together. And so I was like, what? Could you say that again, please? So he repeated, we're going to get through this one day at a time together. And that was like the, the bomb and the grace of God on my, my broken and hurt soul. Um, and I just, I, had, I needed that so much. And it allowed me to at least maybe believe that he really wasn't going to leave me, and then he just proved it day after day. That, and sometimes it was minute by minute for me. Sometimes it was hour by hour. Um, and it was, a, it was probably one of the hardest seasons I've ever been through in my life. Um, but that moment of saying that we're going to get through this together was so valuable and so important. It was, it was that lifeline that I needed to hear. Yeah, another... Um Another thing that was part of that, uh, I think it's important, is that um, we, when we're in that place of um, walking alongside somebody, is that you sometimes are the connection to their future that they don't have. They can't see that. So we can use language that paints that picture a little bit, that there will be something beyond what they're experiencing right now. The thing I would throw out there relative to that 
Because we got to try to be aware of how much somebody can absorb, right? Depending on where they're at. Uh, personally, they may or may not. Like, if you were like, oh, we're going to like build this business together, and they'd be like, uh, I'm so far detached from that right now that it's not actually helpful. So we got to be uh, aware of where they're at. So maybe it's just like, hey, listen, Randy, you want to make an empty screen room? Or wouldn't it be fun next summer if we could do this together? Something that just kind of speaks to a future. Um, and uh, that not only a future, but a good future, because I would, I would make a pretty safe bet that they are harboring doubts that that could be true. Um, that there could be a future, and certainly a good future. So those are a couple of just really broad ideas relative to how do, you, how do we bring hope into a situation. A little bit about what you're talking about, Sonia. <laughs> Sonia, with the, uh, what are some of the things we can, we can say? But I would throw it out there. I'd open it back up. Are there other things that you guys feel like you'd want to know more about, have seen or done or experienced? relative to trying to help somebody who's in that situation where it's really, really hard for them to receive that help. And by the way, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I can sit for a while. There's some really, that's really good. There's some really powerful tools about how to connect somebody back to the present um, that we don't have, unfortunately, time to go through today. But if you have any questions about those, they're super, super important to be able to do, both um, from just an observational standpoint and actually it's a really powerful meditational tool to actually go through and, and experience, really observe what you're experiencing. And that's um, the thing that's really been powerful for me relative to meditation is it gives me a space to be observant and curious rather than judgmental. And um, that's, that's important for that process. You. Empathy is like everything we have in our own lives, right? There's a good piece and a rough piece in different parts of our personality. And empathy is one of those that is life-giving. You can connect to people because you are with them in that. But it makes it really hard because you can connect to people when you're with them in that. Right? <laughs> and so um, one of the things that, that I learned, in, in my case I was – it was, it was good to learn is that it actually helps when you do actually a little lower on the 50 scale for doing first response kind of <laughs> stuff because you're not sitting there like, oh, I, mean, I feel your pain, you know. And I, in my case, I'm like, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it, it keeps me a little bit from that. But you're totally, totally right is recognizing one of the most powerful things I've seen Nancy do is begin to recognize and be able to separate when she is feeling something very strongly to be able to go, oh, wait, I'm not the one that actually is experiencing this. I'm sharing this moment with somebody and it's this is a call 
that God has given me to be observant of where they're at and to, to intercede for them, to pray for them, to be aware of where they're at. Rather than like, oh my gosh, I'm going back down this drain again. Be like, no. We still do that sometimes. Yeah, which, we're, all, we're all working on things. <laughs> Alex, you had your... <laughs> yeah. Good question. So swinging into that meditation really quick. So, um, I mean, okay. Meditation can mean a whole lot of things to different people for sure. Um, but what it does mean in, in my case is that there is a space that I set aside um, to physically be present. So that is done through breaths. That is done through um, quiet observation of what's going on. There's a, there's tools for going through and just kind of like, how's my body doing? How am I holding my stress right now? Am I holding, how's my jaw? Like my jaw is where I hold a lot of my stress in my shoulders, like right, right through here. So I can go through and observe, like are those things stressed? Okay, they are. So then don't be judgmental, like, oh, you idiot, you're being stressed again. It's more about, um, oh, okay. So what, observe it and curious. What is it that I'm stressed about? Was it, is it something I don't have noticed yet? Okay, so if I, I don't know why I'm stressed, then there's something there. My body's telling me, my body's recognized it. What's going on? Um, it's a place to, uh, one of my favorite practices is a thing called compassionate meditation. And um, it's just been super powerful for me. I would call it almost like secular prayer. So, I, we, I mean, it's really easy to bring God into this process too. Um, and it goes a, a little bit something like this, is that you go through this place when you um, have, have kind of, centered yourself right you've gone and it's the breathing quick breathing exercise kind of you're there be present and um and then the way i've seen it done at least is that um is that you think of somebody who you love right maybe nancy in my case and i would in in this meditation space go so <clears throat> um i wish or pray for nancy to have a life of health I pray or wish for Nancy to have this life of happiness. And I pray that Nancy would have a life of compassion. Right, so you, you, you're giving yourself space, and it's about really bringing the person, whether it's from a secular perspective or a non-Christian perspective, it would be just um, recognizing the human spirit and really trying to support that. Or in a Christian realm, it's like saying, I'm going to bring this person to God, right? I'm interceding for them. The next part is that you think of somebody that you're kind of apathetic to, like the barista, right? You, you know, it's nobody to you, really. It's just somebody you shake your hands with or change, change money with. But you're like, same thing. So maybe you happen to know the barista's name is Joe. You're like, I pray or wish that Joe would have a life of health, of happiness, a life of compassion. And then the third part, which is really powerful, is you find somebody in your life you're having conflict with, somebody that you are struggling with, and you do that same thing. I pray that so-and-so who I'm really, really frustrated with right now, mad at, bitter at, would have a life of health, good health, a life of happiness, and a life of compassion. And I tell you, it's, it's really moving change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, my own experience in that particular one 
is that as, as believers, we're told to pray for our enemies, right? And for me, that's often been like, yeah, I hope things work out, or I pray that they would, you know, that they would experience the love of God with my fist, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's really not a, it's not, um, it's not purposeful. It's more of like, okay, because I gotta. And this practice for me released a little bit of that, where I could be purposeful and intentional about um, praying for or wishing somebody that I do not agree with um, something better than what they have. So good. And for certain people, particularly depending on the background they come from, that idea can be life-changing. The release of having this pressure to guide every conversation to something super spiritual, um, to have a conversion moment in every relationship every time. Uh, it's a burden that we shouldn't have to carry, but has been built up. I believe we shouldn't have to carry, but has been built up by certain ways of thinking. And it uh, makes us be inauthentic and people that we're not. Um, embracing that, recognizing that God can truly move in every situation, whether the magic words are said or not, um, is is life giving. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. I had a thought. And yeah, it's I, gone. I heard that. <laughs> okay. It's gone. <laughs> All right. So um, the the last thing that we have, we have so much more, but we're going to stop with this for right now, and then at some point, if or we would welcome kind of going through some more of the stuff that we've been learning. If, if you, there's a whole exercise that um, I had ready in case, depending, you know, we weren't you know, moving too fast, that we could go through, and I think is super powerful for learning how to talk about this continuum relative to our own individual lives. And then to get a little bit more, um, it's a little more um, out there, but in the sense of what, if, what can we do with these tools relative to our organization? So things, thinking about things like spiritual stress injuries, Right? We've been, a lot of us have been hurt by something in the church, by a person in the church, by an IDF in the church, by an organization. How has that impacted our behavior, and how can we begin to recognize that and move towards health? Um, and you can take that same idea and move it across all kinds of parts of your life. We can also, and I think this is really, I, I like to think this way anyway, so it's easy for me, but I think other people will appreciate it too, is we can think of this organizationally. What do we look like as the groves when we're operating in the green? What do we look like when we're operating in the red? And how can we make choices to be moving towards the green as a church? And I think it's really powerful. But we don't have time for that now, so we'll get to some point with the, the coming. <laughs> so, um, part, or point seven that we had. Um, the time is now. So, uh, depending on who you are as a person, who you spend time with, 
Um, so like in our, my search and rescue world, it's pretty um, gung-ho archetype, right? We, we tend to be pretty individualistic, pretty strong. We put value on that. We don't put value on showing weakness or vulnerability, transparency. So it's really easy to be in the space of like, mm, that's not really me right now. I don't really deal with that stuff. So first of all, I'd say liar. But second of all, I would say um, if you're in a place of health, fantastic, because the place of health is the time to start working on these things, particularly things like connections. Build those connections when you're in a place of health, you can, rather than when you're in a place of unhealth. Um, what I would say is that if you're not in a place of health, if you are in a place of unhealth, if you're a place of, of hurt right now, if you're stuck in any of these kinds of things we've talked about or something we haven't talked about, depression, anxiety, or PTSD kind of thing, or any kind of emotional stress or injuries, the time is also now. It's never the wrong time to start moving towards health. God is always present. He's just as present today as he was before and he'll be present tomorrow. It can be really hard to make that first step when you're in that place of hurt. But I plead with you to do it. I watched lives changed for making that choice. It's never, never too late. The time is now. Nancy likes to say that we're all in this wonderful messiness of life together. Let's not separate each other out into the sufferings of the world. Let's not separate ourselves out into sufferings of the world. We love you guys. We want to see us all move towards health. And that's what we want to share with you guys. Right. So thank you guys for the opportunity. Pastor, would you come up and pray for us today? So appreciate you guys being willing to um, to teach and lead and share in in this area. I think it's important, especially as folks of faith, um, to recognize that that God can meet us in anywhere. He's God. He can meet us wherever we want. And and sometimes I think uh, you know we we have an emphasis on on te say teaching Bible here, right? And sometimes there can be an implied idea that the only place God can meet you is is in the Bible. And that's not at all what we believe. Um, it's just a practice, a tradition that we have, and it is powerful. And, and um, But it's incredible, I, and I would love to see us do more of this um, to continue to hear other voices that can uh, help us, you know. Um, so thank you so much for bringing, not, Jeff, not only bringing this to the community, but bringing this to our relationship. This has been really um, a healing time uh, for me. Jeff and I have processed this stuff outside of, of this kind of setting, and it has driven me uh, towards recognition of the, uh, the challenges and stuff and uh, what they've done uh, to me over the years of, of um, this journey we've been on, leading this community in this urban center, and, uh, and the, the challenges of being in leadership and, and uh, doing our very best to carry the pain of so many different people uh, going through so many different situations because God drives us towards that, right? I mean, he, he drives us out into the world. He, he drives us towards taking 
that risk. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. That's one of my favorite themes is that uh, to expand your circle of love and care and concern for folks is a risk. It, it, is, it, it is going to hurt. You know, that, there, this is scientific. We're going to be traumatized by others' trauma. And the good news is that not only they can be made whole, but so can we. And, and we do so better together. And, and so it's beautiful to me. To, especially when you see the truth of God come in multiple layers, right? You see the truth of God coming through uh, scientific thought or sci a psychological study or through scripture, and you see these things all singing the same story. We need each other. We need humility in the face of, of the brokenness of the world. We need healing. We need wholeness so we can go back out and re-engage with this world. And so I, and you guys know this, I love you. You're two of my best friends in the world, and so so thankful but um what we do here is a practice for our kind of closing time is we just have a, a about a song's worth of uh reflection and response and um so the team's gonna play one song you can um yeah and nancy and jeff are making themselves available if you want to pray with them they're gonna station themselves somewhere in the room you'll be able to find them it's not that big a room and um you know, you can go and, and pray with them. But um, we're, we're just going to kind of sit in this and, and do what we do as a musical community, kind of meditate in this in this space. And you can feel free to just hang out where you're at, journal, pray, pray with one another. Um, there's a communion in the back. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're absolutely invited to the table um, and serve yourself communion in, in the back. And there's a basket for giving. This is one of the times we worship through our giving. But um, this, we just kind of set this side of time to respond to maybe something that the Spirit of God might be saying to you. And so, um, and then we'll read a scripture together at the end, I think, if we get this transition. And that'll be our, our, our closing out. But um, I'll echo Jeff's statement. Um, we love you guys. This, um, maybe a church gathering isn't always the best <laughs> expression love and we're always working on that but that is part of it part of it is an expression of love to you who come and are part of this community and our expression of love to God and um, we're always trying to do that and so I hope you experience that in these moments